everyone. It's October 26th, and we are back with our Daily Push Talk. Um, today, we have a very uh, interesting story, interesting guest with us. Uh, we have Mr. Jimmy Hill. Mr. Jimmy Hill, how you doing today, man? How you doing? Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, it's a tough subject today, so I think this week, in fact, we got a few tough subjects coming up this week. But this one is tough, so I want you to start by telling everybody um, about your situation with your son, Mr. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy Atchison. Uh, yeah, my son, Jimmy Atchison, uh, 21 years old, uh, who had his future, dreams, and hope shattered in just a few moments. Uh, my son, Jimmy Atchison, he was he was a jokester, a prankster, and you know, we loved that. They have him around the, the home, and he loved his kids. He had two kids, would never get to see their father again. Uh, his grandmother, Elizabeth Ann Atchison, who he promised to, to get a house to. He loved music, he loved music. Who he promised to get a house to. She died earlier this year, holding on as much as she can uh, in this fight for justice. So, uh, my son, you know, you can be mad at him one minute and you be laughing at him one minute. That's just how silly he was. But we know he wasn't a violent type of person that was portrayed by the news media uh, and, and, and Atlanta police, son Kim. My son, Jim Ashton, on January the 22nd, 2019, my son Jim Ashton was unarmed and surrendering, yet he was shot and killed by former Atlanta police officer son Kim on the assumption of a bogus armed robbery warrant, in which a witness came forward and stated that there was no armed robbery. Um, this journey has been full of obstacles and hurdles and, 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 and weariness and a lot of pain. A lot of emptiness. Um, it has been very full of heartaches, but you know that God has given us the strength, and He's given us the guidance and endurance to continue to move forward uh, in this situation. I really have to, I have to give all credit to God, because if it wasn't for mercy and grace, we'll be lost. We don't know where we'll be. So one of the things that I, I really want to hit on is that. We know that gun violence um, across the market has gone up in the city of Atlanta, yes. um, from police gun violence to just regular gang gun violence, right? Um, I know we just recently did an event with Shannon Jones, Reverend Shannon Jones, where we actually marched through the Pittsburgh area, kind of praying for the community. Yes, yes. Um, but your son was killed by an actual officer, in which, from what I understand from the report that you have, which is very detailed, like, they, they had an arrest warrant, they went to try to arrest him in the apartment, he fled the scene, but when they found him, he was in the closet, unarmed, in his underwear. And his boxers, yes. his boxers. And did the police ever give you a, a, a reason for why they felt like they needed to shoot him? If he was unarmed, in the closet, no place really for him to go, and there was how many officers in the room at the time? Four officers in the room with weapons drawn. Not tasers, with guns drawn. Right. Yeah, so, and and, and the thing is, I, I, what, what makes me hard to believe is, this officer song Kim, who I already had a history, of being over aggressive in certain situations in which he shot at approaching right wide eight times while officers were in view and commanding him to stop and bitch a sharpener hit hit several other officers. So there have been a number of complaints against him. So I, I understand why was he in charge of a a, a, a task force? Why was he in charge of a, a task force? I, I just can't understand. And it, he lied saying my son had a history. First of all, the shooting According to the Public Integrity Union of the District Attorney's Office, on January the 22nd of my son, Jimmy Ashton, the shooting was not justified. 
and Son Ken should be indicted for murder. That's the report according to the Public Integrity Union of the Fulton County District Attorney's Office. This officer lied, stating that my son had a history of violence. He lied to a fellow officer, lied and said my son had a history of violence against uh, police officers. And according to the Public Integrity Union again, of the Fulton County District Attorney's Office, my son had one, one uh, a misdemeanor against police officers. And that was uh, 2018, August 17, 2018. And said the uh, said accuser was not harmed in any kind of way. And according to the report of the Public Integrity Union, my son has no other history of violence against police officers. So, I mean, I know we talked about it earlier today. So that was under, one of the issues you've been having is that that was under the past DA, um, DA Paul. Yes, yes. Right? And I know we now have, well, you guys now have a new DA in Fulton County, DA Fannie Willis. Um, what has been the relationship you've had with her compared to the relationship you had with the previous DA? It's really, it's really not, it really hasn't been a relationship because our first meet with uh, Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, uh, after we spoke, introduced ourselves. She introduced us to a team member. The first thing came out of my was I don't got real to power how a whole staff, and we were looking puzzled like what what does that have to do with this meeting? And then she stated the fact that I don't like the fact that your son pushed the children under the bed before he jumped out the window. He put the children on the bed to get them out of harm's way, and 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 not one time during the meeting and uh, several things she said over and over. Uh, my decision is gonna be my decision. Y'all can like it or not. So we was like. What is going on? You know, and I asked, I said, what is this me? Ain't this me supposed to be about Son Kim? And, and, and trying to get him indicted, you know, to be presented to a grand jury. And and we spoke with her, we spoke with her some more, but nothing came out of me. Nothing came out of me because she was there to display her arrogance. Uh, uh, she, was there, she was just there to display her arrogance and just mainly no. You know, we weren't there to talk about Paul Howard. This is the same Paul Howard who you got on the news and spoke about uh, years ago, that how you appreciated working for the DA. But now it's another story. So she was letting us know at that meeting that she's pro-police and that she really wasn't interested, according to my my thoughts, that she really wasn't interested in trying to indict Son Kim. Like she was looking for a way out, looking for an excuse. And that's all it was, excuse, because like I said, one time she did not mention it. And you had the same report, the same book that I have right here in front of you, she had the same book. And yet she refused to do nothing. And we haven't met with her, I think it's been about six months, we haven't met with her anymore. We haven't met with no more with her. Because she, even our lawyers said she's baffled, she's confused. Our lawyer Tanya Miller, that she's baffled, she don't know uh, what, what to think or what's going on. So my thing is, I think we have to continue to tell uh, apply pressure because uh, we're not the type of family who's going to give up. You know, this man took my life, my son's life, and he took it unnecessarily and unjustifiable. And ain't no way you can justify the shooting of my son, Jimmy Ashton. He refused to call SWAT when the subject is barricaded. He violated FBI policy. Uh, let, let me get this right first. First, he refused to call SWAT. And in most cases, SWAT is called when the subject barricaded. He, that was the operational plan to call SWAT. But he, he took his battles. Y'all would have been like that. He, he took himself, took matters to his own hand, placed himself above the law, and became my son, J. 
judge you an excuse. And something I have to mention, 22 days later after my son was murdered, there was a white dentist in Brookhaven, had a 10 hour standoff. They issued a warrant for him shooting at his wife. 10 hour standoff. They didn't even get my son 10 seconds. Uh, uh, they, they called SWAT, proper procedure was used, they called SWAT, proper protocol was used. They sent in a robot, they sent in flashbangs, and, and they sent in tear gas. Then the FBI, SWAT entered, and there was a tussle. This man was in a small room like my son was, with a room full of ammunition. And guess what? They brought him out without a scratch. But yeah, they brought my son Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy uh, Essen out in a body bag. So this had been uh, very painful because it, 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 this officer, they violated, they didn't have a warrant for the apartment. They also violated because in F, Atlanta Police Department is supposed to wear their body cameras at all times when it comes to, 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 to dealing with a suspect or dealing with situations. This officer did not have on a body cam. So it was a number of violations, not, like I said, not only his human and civil rights, now my son had a name, my son had an identity, and it's like he just took it away. Wow. You know, <clears throat> I was, as I was listening to you, when the procedure that, now you said that uh, in reading that Kim did not, the officer Kim did not follow procedure or policy and procedure, uh, can you tell us where, what has ha taken place with him since then? Son, okay, Son Kim, uh, the man this right here, he, like I said, I couldn't understand how he was able to be in charge of a task force, any type of task force. He, he another violation, he, he, he entered a funeral, looking for a suspect, and he, without identifying themselves, he drew down on everybody. They drew their weapons on everybody at the, at, at the funeral. Um, and this all this is according to it's not my statement according to the Atlanta Journal Constitution. Son Kim right now is doing federal work. I mean, civilian work for the federal government. Uh, after much pressure from else, Atlanta Mayor Keisha Bottom gave him the option to be fired or resign. After much pressure, and he resigned, and now he's doing civilian work for the federal government. The same federal government that's still investigating him. The same federal government that 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 that's supposed to be investigating. You know, they just, it seemed like everybody wanted this case uh, swept under the rug, uh, going through any length necessary to protect this case. Uh, even Atlanta, the city of Atlanta, and because uh, it seemed like Atlanta is more about relationships and, and, and scratching each other back and watching each other back. And that's what's so hurtful. Like, my son's life don't mean nothing. Like, it didn't mean nothing. And I've been disappointed. I've been disappointed uh, uh, with the church, because the church who at one time was our pillar, who we leaned to for support and everything. It seemed like uh, pastors, pastors are being quiet. Uh, black entertainment, uh, even the community has to be awakened to this thing. And you know, it, it just time uh, enough is enough. Wrong is wrong, no matter who says it, who does it. And the whole city of Atlanta. America has been wrong in this situation when it comes to the murder of my son, Jimmy Edson. Uh, it's about accountability. Accountability. Nobody wants to hold one another accountable. So let me ask you a question. Like, 
one of the things that's very interesting to me is that um, we depend on our police to be a place of refuge, a place of trust. Um, this situation, what has it done to you when it comes to you and the way you trust, now you trust law enforcement in general? I know just outside of APD, um, how do you trust law enforcement in general at this point? It's hard. You know, I have I have a cousin who's a, a, a law officer. I've been uh, growing up in East Lake Meadows. I counted numerous of uh, law officers. Some were good, some were bad apples. Mm-hmm. It's hard to trust. It, it is hard to trust because even as I look at the situation when I was just explaining uh, that uh, I think I can name about the situation in Milwaukee where, where um, this officer shot he, he, he shot this man in front of his children. It seemed like it's 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 the place fear, and the place fear and terrorism at a at an early age that put fear into our our children. You know the police are supposed to be there to protect us and to serve, not 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 destroy us, not uh, bring forth destruction, and not cause death. We shouldn't be afraid of the police. We not had growing up in East Lake Meadows. We had police used to get out their car. In the seventies, and walk and talk with us. You know, if, if things were being did on the street, they look, man, y'all know y'all can't do that. You know, they would they were telling the older guys, and 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 it was a level of respect shown for them. Now it seems like police just don't they, they don't they don't don't give a damn now. It's just like so much racism and hatred toward. Um, I have to be real and say, Black Americans, because it's like. You know, people talk about my condolences to the Asian community. People talk about stop Asian hate. What about stop black hate? What about stop all this killing and, and, and remaining silent and ignoring and turning their backs to this situation where all these young black boys getting killed? Innocent young black men and black women, even our black children. Uh, from, from uh, I think, Tamara Rice, 12, to uh, Catherine Johnson, 92. It's always an excuse. When will it stop? When is enough enough? When will we have the faith and courage to come together to be able to say with one voice on one accord and say enough is enough. I tell you, it's, you know, when it comes to law enforcement, like you said, you have the good and you have the bad uh, when it comes to law enforcement. And like you, uh, I've come in contact with, with them, have family members and friends that are in law enforcement. and. It, it, you're, you're absolutely right. The things that have taken place over the last several decades even has uh, put us in position where um, trust in the system, trust in law enforcement uh, really isn't there anymore. Um, they're supposed to serve and protect, but you, you would think that when you watch on the news the way they handle situations uh, one group of people versus another group of people and see the, the disparaging, you know, the difference between the two and how they go about handling situations. It's very unfortunate that it even comes down to that. Um, but again, it's the system that needs to be fixed. Um, you know, families are, you know, losing uh, their children left and right nowadays, whether it be... Uh, through the hands of the police or black on black crime. And the the thing that you know that we have to start asking ourselves the question about uh, not only about law enforcement, but about um, 
guns themselves playing a part in the situation and how you know uh, when force is deemed necessary um, and then you know we maybe you know uh, there's been you know uh, getting guns off the streets or making it more difficult for uh, for people just an average person to be able to obtain one um, you know and and definitely looking at uh, psych evaluations when it comes to police as well so you know it's very unfortunate and I, I've, I definitely know your pain as I am also a parent of uh, uh, a child who was killed you know via gun violence and uh, so I definitely understand where you're coming from but all of that um, man it's not easy and so how have you been able to uh, cope and manage through all of this well my my family is trying to beat up on my family and continue to fight uh, my son's mother Cynthia Atchison this has took uh, man, it's, it's tremendous amount of pain to where uh, you know her peace was taken away she done carried this well, for nine long months her peace and all of a sudden this seeing it seeing it when his eyes were open and yet somebody else closed his eyes mm -hmm. so her peace was taken away her peace was taken away she's went through so much man it's like um, uh, like I want to cry right now so much of what she's been going through uh, I mean uh, discouragement almost a depressed state to you know I was talking to her this morning I told her I was on my way to to this interview and she was like just keep fighting just, just keep fighting she said, I'm gonna get back out there with she's getting what she can't take it because once we started doing the the talking about it and, and, and try to have interviews, she had to get up and leave. And his sisters, them, you know, he have uh, he have sisters by his mother, and he got sisters, uh, one brother by, 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 by uh, on my side of the family, and it's it, it's like destroyed them. It's like it took some a year and a half, the, the, uh, uh, two years, to even come out for a protest because they didn't want to accept the fact that he was dead, that he wasn't coming back, and it's one who still. She won't get involved, you know, I love missing the death. She won't get involved because it pained her so much. They were just a very close family, especially on their mother's side. And on my on my side, my son and, and, and my other daughters, it, it bothered them very bad because my son, Jimmy, was like a a link. He would meet with my other sons and we didn't even know it. And he kept like he was the bridge that kept our family together. You know, because when you have these families and you have kids by different Mother, you know, it always be a lot of confrontation, but he was the bridge. He was the bridge. And, you know, I never have, I don't mention this too much, but uh, I promised his grandmother, I promised Sint, and I promised my, my other son, Curtis. He uh, he got murdered, an uh, 18 year old son got murdered in 20, 2012. And, you know, the two guys got life in 30 and life in 10. And, you know, God gave us the strength to fight, and God, God really got given me the endurance. So I had to try to beat out. For them, you know, because they were very close, and it bothered him when Curtis got killed. And then to see him, to see it happen to him, you know, and it's just like, who, who is trying to hold people accountable? It's time to hold pulling the county family with us accountable. Kind of, it's time to break up this system 
uh, 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 remaining silent. It's time for, you know, when, when Nathan, when Nathan the prophet had to go and speak to King David and tell him about the wrongness that he was doing and the situation. And King David repented. So I asked everybody today, is there any more Nathans out here that had the faith and courage to challenge this system? Uh, even Jesus, when we come to righteous anger, even Jesus flipped over the tables in the temple. You know, it, it, is anybody in Atlanta leadership about dignity and character and integrity and principle? It seems like we don't got away from those things. You know, it's time to stand on, come together and stand on truth and justice. Everybody, I guess people are afraid of repercussions. Uh, 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 it, Atlanta has become, leadership has become so selfless, selfless and, and, and commercial to, to the point that, well, uh, everybody just thinking about themselves. These lives matter. My son Jimmy asked life matter. When I be out here protesting with these other mothers, when I look in their eyes and see the pain and the emptiness, and the loneliness, and these, some of these mothers are 70, 80 years old and still trying to fight for just for their son. It's like we are on an island by ourselves, fight. Seems like nobody don't want to step up. Nobody has the courage to step up. Everybody just enjoying themselves. We, we are in pain. Now, these families are in pain. My, my, my family's in pain. I'm in pain. I'm just not showing it right now, but I'm in pain. But I know what I got to do. And I got to have the courage to stand up and continue to speak out against this wicked and injustice system of police brutality and racism. And I'll, I'll just um, end it by saying this, like, from our perspective, I found out about him on Saturday, literally, when I met you at the one court conference. Yeah. And I've done my best in today, I'm not even, um, to be honest, mm -hmm. to kind of do as much research, but even after you leave today, I commit to us doing more research and finding out and reading through any information you're willing to give us. Um, because as you stated, we do need, we need more, not only do we need more Nathans, not only do we need more prophets on the scene, but we need more people who have the heart of David um, okay. to be able to, when they, when they get in, the, when they're in a situation where they have power and they've done wrong with the power they have, um, they know how to seek forgive, forgiveness and repentance. Amen. Because we can have prophets speaking all day, but if people are not receptive to the prophets speaking, okay. then, um, then it, then it still does no good. And that's the reason why November 2nd and Election Day is so important. We have to vote people who stand for our interests. Mm -hmm. And I I'll continue to remind people that just because, for the black community, just because a person has a black face doesn't mean that they always represent Amen. black issues. Amen, amen, amen. Um, so we, we have to just be careful about who, we, who we're putting in office. Um, and at the same time, we have to be fair enough to hear the side of what's going on, right, okay. on the other side. So, um, but we commit to, to doing more research, we commit, um, that's the reason I wanted to have you on today because I think that regardless of the situation, the the stories are important. Hearing about Mr. Atchison, hearing about um, how he how he was how, the situation, how it played out is extremely important, and I want to make sure that we don't miss that. So um, we'll continue to work with you. We'll continue to reach out. I mean, we'll continue to um, get his story out. Thank and you so much. We appreciate you for coming on today. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Babin. You know, absolutely. And uh, just a quick note to end, um, for those who have not had a chance to even check out our um, One Accord conference, you can go to our website at www.blackpush.org, or you can go on Spotify, Google Google Podcasts, you can go on Apple Podcasts, you can go on Ring, and so many other resources that we'll be actually putting our information on today to hear our podcast. We're super excited about that. 
or you can download our app where you can um, on Android or Apple where you can actually watch any podcast that we have. So we thank again Mr. Jimmy Hill for coming and talking thank about you. Mr. Thank Jimmy you, Atchison. And um, we ask that every family continue to pray for his family, but at the same time continue to pray for all those families who've lost children to gun violence, whether they were black, white, Hispanic, Asian. No child should be a victim of gun violence, whether it's the police or whether it's just in their neighborhood trying to go to school. Um, and that's something that we'll continue to fight against thank irregardless. You. Because um, we do have other resources that we can use. I remember going and doing a tour of a facility where they trained police officers, and the only two weapons they gave us as an um, option was a gun or a shotgun. Um, they didn't give me an option to use the taser. They didn't give me an option to use the mason. I just thought it was increasingly um, weary, right, <laughs> that the only two options they have. So we have to train our police officers better. Um, but thank you again for coming on. Thank, thank you guys for watching. And we'll be back tomorrow. Thank you.